Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you, if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John O'White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader. And in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult. And, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 33 of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Peter James. Peter is the group CEO for SU Australia, a Christian not-for-profit organization working with young people and families across Australia to bring God's love, hope, and good news. SU has more than 1,200 staff and 8,000 active volunteers creating local community collaborations to deliver adventure experiences, school chaplaincy, training, Bible engagement, and other programs across Australia. SU Australia was formed in 2021 by merging nine organizations into a unified governance and leadership structure and with a vision of growing the mission even further. Peter and his team are implementing a program of integration and expansion to build the movement into its full potential. In his 10 years with SU, Peter led SU's expansion of school chaplaincy in Queensland under federal funding and strengthening of the movement's other frontline ministries. Before SU, Peter was a telecommunications and technology partner of an international law firm. He is married with five adult children. Peter, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, it's great to be with you. So start off by giving us a bit of a window into SU Australia, and there's been some big changes this year. Well, obviously, we're recording this. Uh, we've just hit December in 2021, so the, the organization itself has just brought nine organizations together this year. So give us a bit of a window into SU Australia now and what it means to be group CEO. Yeah, well, SU itself is a very old organisation um, and its history in Australia has been one of uh, separate organisations in each state and territory, which served us really, really well for a long time. But over the last five years, there was a sense of what could we do better or what could we do more of if we were together. So that's set up a set of conversations over that five-year period and we drew closer together and reached the point prayerfully where we thought we should merge. And, uh, and so we've joined uh, seven of the eight SU movements together and in New South Wales we've uh, joined in with an organisation called Generate. So that's still fairly new um, and as group CEO I sit over all of that and uh, my season is one of integration and um ironing out all of the early problems uh, to get it to a smooth, internally frictionless and uh, organisation ready for growth. Yeah, fantastic. That's uh, that's a big achievement and a big uh, process. And I think it's really exciting for the mission of SU across Australia. Uh, so tell us a bit about your story, Peter, and you can feel free to go back as far as you want. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I was born and raised in Brisbane um, and... Uh, had a wonderful childhood. I think uh, sort of the stuff that I do now leading an organisation that helps people who are children and young people, I think having such a positive childhood for me has given me just the sense that I would love to see others less fortunate also have great childhoods and overcome any disadvantage that might exist in their context or circumstance. 
a um, lot of key influences along my way. I mean, I, I had a really wonderful chaplain at the school that I went to, and I've always thought uh, if I could have a chaplain like that in other schools to help kids the way I was helped, that would be a beautiful thing. But I also was a, an SU camp junkie in my childhood <laughs> and just loved that sense of transforming love of God that and the adventure and fun that you can have on, a, on an SU camp. So I, I guess I was kind of wired or pre-programmed or set up to, to, to be part of SU and I'd volunteered with them most of my life. So getting to where I am now, I think, is a, a, a lot of little pieces along the way, um, but I really just love SU and what it stands for and it's such a privilege to be part of the next stage of its journey yeah that's that's wonderful that you had you've had such a long story with SU and such positive experiences it's similar for me I owe SU a lot actually because I really met my wife Liz on an SU camp so we met at SU schoolies which is a for those who might be outside of Australia, schoolies is a is a time when people finish year twelve, and Scripture Union runs a few fantastic um, options for young people to go away with their friends and uh, and celebrate finishing school. So we went to the Sunshine Coast, and that's that's how I met Liz. So always always nice. uh, mentioned in our story whenever we're telling people how we met. Su always gets a plug. There's a. A, a former name of the organisation or parts of it was uh, Children's Special Service Mission or CSSM, but the uh, the letters CSSM are often sort of quoted as meaning come single, soon married, which uh, yeah, sounds like it's your story. Yeah, that definitely that definitely was our story. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, so in terms of leading SU now, and, uh, and I'm interested with your background as a lawyer, I guess starting starting there what what advantages have you found coming from law to leading a not-for-profit because they're obviously very different in some ways they're really they're really different things but I'm guessing that there'd be a lot of what you did for a long time in the legal world that's actually been really important for you as a as a CEO of a not-for-profit yeah, it's a really interesting question because, I mean, I came in and, uh, in the start of my role 10 years ago leading the Queensland part of the organisation. We were facing uh, some challenges to our federal funding in the High Court, so the, the highest court of Australia. Uh, and everyone was said, oh, isn't it great that we've got a lawyer for this stage? And And I guess my legal background did make that um, easier than it might otherwise have been. Certainly it wasn't um, sort of an unfamiliar environment or process for me, uh, but I was not a constitutional lawyer and it was a constitutional challenge. So I always kind of frowned to myself and thought, yeah, but that doesn't quite feel right. Um, and when I reflected on it, I think what I did in my law career was, I mean, I, I negotiated transactions and deals. Mm. And so it was about um, trying to, uh, influence and understand where somebody else was and influence where they were to align more with where wherever my clients' interests were and reach an outcome that that felt mutually beneficial uh, so so really my role in law was about um, producing sort of an agreed sense of advantage and change now in law of course that became a document in an organization it becomes a strategic direction. And so I think more than anything, that's the background that I, I bring, the, the capacity to, to see where uh, something needs to be and to understand how we can run a process 
of bringing people along towards that endpoint. Yeah, that's a. I like how you've you've made the link there between uh, working and and I guess the the thing that would be in common is that a lot of people may not think of with law is that when you're when you're dealing with those transactions, you, it's really a lot about the people involved and communication, which is exactly the same for for leadership. So much of leadership, like you just said, there is around leading people and helping people. Uh, I guess working out a strategic direction together and then uh, you know moving with them to go towards that direction yeah and and look that's as much about understanding where they are and why as understanding where your sense of where we need to be and why so I, I love Jack Welsh's uh, sort of co- comments as a leader and one of one of the things he talks about is that the, the leader is the chief meaning officer. And he says, look, where, where are we going and why and, what, and how do you help people understand it's there to their advantage, what's in it for them, for them mm. to come along. And I guess my legal career was about doing precisely that, you know, so wh- where is the other party that we're negotiating with? What do they want and why do they want that? What does my client need or want and how do I bring those things together through a process of discussion and negotiation? And and, and, and when you get to a leadership role, um, it is different. Um, you know, there's a, a lot different about the context and the way a law firm works and the way lawyers work uh, from the way a not-for-profit works. Um, and I think the new thing I learned was um, people in the not-for-profit world do things because they believe in them, mm. not because they're told to do them. And so much of what the leader's role is is casting that vision and trying to help people understand themselves and where they are and where uh, the organisation needs to be and asking a lot of sort of what-if questions. What if what if it looked like that? Or, you know, imagine if we could do this and um, igniting in something already in them mm. about a change that the organisation wants to bring. Yeah, that's, that's great. Any... Any thoughts on, I guess, if you were to sit down with a young leader who might be listening and scribbling notes going, yes, vision, I know I need to cast vision. Gee, I've heard that before, but how do I do that? What, what advice would you give to, to leaders out there to cast vision effectively? Yeah, I, I do talk to a lot of young leaders and I think the ones that I, we, we have this phrase we, we use called peeps with potential mm-hmm. and um I guess what you're looking for in that young leader is someone who has a sense of, you know, developing sense, but a sense of who they are. But also they they want they want to change or they want to do something positive. Mm. Um, I've spoken to people who, you know, you you say, oh, what do you want to, you know, what do you want? What do you think your future looks like? And they say, I want to be a leader, but they actually don't have any sense of what change they want to bring. They actually don't have a vision. Or, yes. you know, sometimes a vision starts with a dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, a dis- you know, dissatisfaction is as good a start as anywhere because that leads to, well, maybe I can bring some change. But I think the most important thing for a young leader is to have a picture about what they'd like to see different. Um, you know, that in effect is a vision. Yeah. And if there's something that they want to see different, it doesn't really matter so much what it is. Hopefully it's a positive thing. Um, it will ignite them into some form of action and they will learn about what it means to 
bring people with them. You, you know, rarely we can do things by ourselves, uh, but leadership is about how do you coalesce people around a common sense of purpose and direction yes. and um, make it uh, compelling and enjoyable uh, and satisfying for them to be part of that journey. Yeah, I I think that's a great breakdown of vision and I think we overcomplicate vision. I think you're right. It's, you know, if you're not sure, if you don't feel like you have a clear vision for something that, you, that you're in a leadership role in, a team or an organisation, just thinking about what you'd like to be different and then I feel like one of the easiest handles for leaders is to use stories. You know, what stories are there that have already happened that represent the vision? And that's what I love about not-for-profits is an organization like SU has so many stories. And in those stories, I I find there's those stories have the DNA of the vision of the organization in them, even though that might be articulated differently and then strategically it might be a big shift and then you merge with other organizations or other representations. But the DNA in those stories, when you come back to why your organization and why your team is doing what it's doing when you find those really great stories they always seem to you share one and you'll see people have the light bulb moments that's been that's been a bit of a uh, an aha moment for me when i realized oh actually i don't have to it's not that complicated just know what needs to be different if you're going to start somewhere know what needs to be different find some stories already in your organizational team where that's happened share those and talk about that and then yeah. and then you can work on clarifying it but that's a great place to start and often it's not even necessarily a big thing um so in the su history there's a story of uh, a 19 year old woman called annie marsden who it was sort of in the era where children were seen but not heard and the sort of theory of the child was that they were a future adult rather than having sort of inherent um sort of being in themselves but Annie, Annie loved reading the Bible, Annie loved the scripture, and she'd had an experience of, of a God who loved her. And she thought, well, wouldn't it be great if kids could also have that? And she started writing um, out Bible verses on cards. Mm. Well, that became a global Bible uh, reading movement. Um, and it began by a 19-year-old woman writing some stuff on cards for kids that she knew. So it can start small, but it, it, but it, it will steamroll. You know, so you'll do something small and you'll go, well, that, that worked or maybe it didn't work, but it could work. Mm. And then the next thing is, well, what if? In, and then the next step and then the next step. So, but, you've, you know, I love, I love the, the momentum that comes from beginning. Yes. And I think it's important if, you've, if you can see a change, however small, begin it and see what happens after that. Yeah, that's great. If you can see a change, however small, begin it. I like that. As you reflect back on your journey so far as a leader, what moments come to mind that you think have really shaped you, been very significant in playing a part in you becoming Peter James, the leader you are today? Yeah, there's a lot of little moments, I think, that sort of lead lead you to a point where you start to do bigger things you know uh, I mean when I think I mean so at school I I, uh, I had a, a leading role in in, in the, my sport um, that was gave me a sense that um, it gave me a sense of responsibility so so the sport is not a particularly common sport was rowing and I I was stroke of an eight and um, that means you're setting the pace for the boat 
And if you're not fit enough or if you don't read the race correctly, um, everyone's following your uh, rhythm. Everyone's following your pace. And you can either uh, lead that to a winning medal around your neck or you can come fourth when uh, fourth is a terrible place to come because you're so <laughs> close but so far. Um, and so I guess I learned from the sport context that, um, you know, it wasn't like I was out the front, you know, by definition, the stroke of the boat's at the back, um, but people are watching you and taking their pace from you. And I guess I learned that, you know, in the law firm, I learned about um, what putting a team together might look like and how to use different facets of strength in a team. And um, all the way along, uh, was my experience with children and young people as a SU camper, and, you know, as a parent, and I, and I reached a point where I thought, well, I, I just wish I could be part of that full time, and um, and the opportunity came up, and I, I mean, I, I went from a law firm to to a not for profit salary. I mean, I took a 90 percent pay cut to to take that job, but felt like I won the lottery because wow. I was doing something I was passionate about. I was doing something that would make uh, a positive change in young people's lives. And I still, you know, it's 10 years on and I'm still pinching myself that I get to do this. It's fantastic. That's incredible and such a great, I think that's such a great story for for young leaders to hear as well because when you are in those, particularly in the younger years um, and you're looking ahead and you are looking at all the options and there's all the uh, there's all the sparkle of, of different options. I think sometimes it's great to reflect and hear someone like yourself who who's had that and um, I had that, had that wonderful opportunity in the law in, in the law world and done incredible things there. but for you the I guess the the calling and the, the passion to be to lead something like SU uh, some people would say, hey that doesn't make sense. Why would you take a 90 percent? Uh, pay cut and feel like you hit the lottery but I think this that's such a wonderful lesson for all of us to remember is that if that's if that's where you're meant to be and what God's called you to do and what you're meant to be doing then and if that's the passion and the desire that I think he he puts in us then it makes it so worthwhile yeah uh, I mean, money money is a, a common motivator for people. And, and, and look, I'm not trying to say I'm a saint or anything, but I just genuinely uh, felt so much joy and pleasure from making a positive contribution mm. uh, rather than... Um, structuring a good transaction you know when, when i'm when i'm an old man sort of leaning on a walking stick i'm not going to be thinking about the good contracts i drew up <laughs> i'm going to be thinking about the stories of the young lives who were who were transformed uh you know you know you don't you don't wish you spent more time at work you always spent you always think go to the personal things when you reflect back and for me i i get to do that as you know there's an alignment between my gifting and skill and uh, and my passion and my sense of calling and when all of those things line up it's it's uh, it's deeply satisfying yeah absolutely another question about i guess your reflections on your leadership journey so far is there anything that comes to mind where you think in hindsight, you made a mistake or dropped the ball there, but it, it, it was something that you really learned from um, and and it's been a really important sort of um, key sort of learning moment for you? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 um, 
I mean, I've, I've made plenty, loads of mistakes. And the trouble as a leader, of course, is that <laughs> it's usually other people that pay for your mistakes. So, um, yeah, that's but what, one that springs to mind, yeah, um, uh, that's just the unfortunate truth. It's others that pay for your mistake. But um, one that springs to mind, I, I uh, we had a, a camp uh, right very early in my time as a leader, and um, there was a boy. It was just a freak water skiing accident, and a boy got a terrible head injury and was ambulanced to hospital. And we have really amazing safety management and critical incident systems and and people who are well trained in that stuff. And so, uh, you know, this was a camp. My role was, you know, to be notified early so that I would be aware of it and, and to sort of help the team as they did their job. And, um, so in, and part of our process included having some, someone with the family at the hospital. So we had that base covered. But, um, you know, the boy had surgery, he recovered. We know that's the good part of the story. And all of our systems really operated precisely as they should have. It was a success story in, in that sense. But for me, I realised when I met with the family a couple of weeks after the, the boy was out of surgery and recovering, that they felt... Um, that we'd let them down because the organisation wasn't there to journey with them. Now, we had someone at the hospital journeying with them, but it wasn't the CEO. It wasn't the person who represented, in their mind, the leader. And and so for me, that was a real lesson. I mean, I, I I was doing what I thought was right, as in empowering the team and staying out of their way so they could do what they wanted to do. But there was this extra dimension that I hadn't thought of, which was the effectively sort of chief chaplain of the organisation to, yeah. to be in the moments of crisis with, with the people most affected by that crisis. And so I, I learned that the hard way by wounding that family who felt I hadn't cared. Now, in fact, I'd, I'd been praying and been on the phone and caring deeply, but I wasn't with them and presence is an important part of leadership and I learned that lesson through that experience. Yeah, I so appreciate you sharing that and I appreciate your vulnerability because I think I I absolutely resonate with the challenge and with how you how you reflected and what I'm hearing is that there was a sense of okay, I need to be I need to be involved but almost to almost to get out of the way and let your people really do but you realize oh wait my presence there in that room would have been was actually really crucial and I think this is something that I find really challenging and I, a lot of leaders I chat with struggle with this is often that we are where we shouldn't be <laughs> we've got our with our fingers right. in things and we're we're turning up and it's like actually you need to get out of the way there like um, you know, we need to stop being a bottleneck there. And then at the same time, and I know I, I think back on uh, different, you know, roles where I've been in, where I see this 100%, where I, I'm involved in some things that I think now I should have gotten out of the way and just not even been there for that and let that happen. And then other things where you go, actually, that that's something that I did get out of the way or that I really, uh, it, now in hindsight, it should yeah. be there. I guess as you reflect, what advice would you give to, to leaders around because this is one of those things you can't you can prepare but when something like that happens no matter how important no matter how great your critical incident processes are which is sort of the first box to tick right you need to make sure those things are there but as a leader what advice now in hindsight would you give how would you how would you go about that differently if you were um 
if you were doing it today? Yeah, I, I think, look, I learned the lesson I needed to learn in that experience. And, and again, it wasn't me that paid the price of that, the family. Uh, I should have been there. I mean, I'm a lawyer. It's not if, if I'm giving counselling advice, people are really in trouble. So <laughs> it wasn't that it was anything that I needed to say to them. Yes, uh, It's just the sheer presence of the, the, the leader of this organisation that has damaged my child. Again, freak accident, mm-hmm. you know, unavoidable accident. But they damaged my child. Where's the boss? Why isn't he here with us? Yeah, and that's a good question. That's a that's a fair question, and um, we'd put someone with them in the room, someone who was more skilled than I am at that stuff. But just being there would have said to them, the most important thing in your life at the moment is your injured boy, yes. and that's the most important thing to us as well. And so I think as a leader, you kind of you learn those things and you, you sometimes you, you feel you've got them right. A lot of times you feel you've got them wrong and you learn from that. Yes. Um, you know, so, you know, it's a zooming in and out the whole time. So sometimes you need to be in the room and helping clear a bottleneck for somebody and then quickly get out of the way. Sometimes you need to avoid the meeting altogether so that the people who should be running it do run it and step up. And, you know, we, there are some, um, you know, advice I give to some of our leaders that where I say, look, are you going to those meetings? Because you probably shouldn't. You know, if you if you weren't in that meeting, other people would run the meeting and they would learn from it. Yes. Uh, you would be growing them as leaders. Your sheer presence in that room is restricting them as leaders. Uh, so it's it's there's a wisdom. You, you learn a wisdom as you go and, and often by making mistakes. Yeah, the idea of presence is so significant i was chatting with a uh, a wonderful school leader here in queensland uh a, a while back and i can't remember the book he 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 mentioned um so i, I want to um honor that that came from someone else i just can't remember the name of the book but he was talking about a book he'd read around i think it was specifically for education educators uh, but it was around the different forms of presence for a leader and uh, the different forms of visibility and i just thought that's such a great perspective you know talking about the formal there's the formal visibility which is you know in a school it's you know they're giving that presentation at uh at you know awards night but there's there's the i think informal presence and and one of the one of my favorite things i saw when i was turning up to work with a, a client uh, that's actually another school here in here in brisbane and i saw the principal and this is a really large school and i saw him doing the the lollipop um holding the the stop sign on the crossing and I thought, oh, I just wasn't expecting his face to be there as I waited in the, you know, in the car to while parents and kids crossed. And then I realized, um, ah, I thought, okay. And I found out, I think he does that once a week. And I realized he's he has intentionally nice. positioned himself somewhere. The layout of the school, basically every single parent and student has to cross that one crossing. It's where the car park is and then they cross that and then they go to wherever they're going. And so he's positioned himself for 45 minutes to be able to interact with nice. every child and every parent. Um, and I just thought that is such a clever, that is such smart yeah, leadership is. and such, like you said, that that wisdom that comes from experience to go, normally you'd go, oh, no, I don't have time for that because I've got, um, you know, someone else could do that. But he, there were reasons where he was put, uh, positioning himself there. And also because I know he's a, he's a really servant-hearted leader, I think it was a way as well to say there's nothing to... Um, you know, there's there's nothing too low for any of us to do and, and we'll all pick up whatever we need to do to help. And it just was a number of things where I thought that is actually just 
wonderful leadership. Yeah, I think, you know, if he was there every day, that would have been a problem. Um, you know, it's a matter of knowing it's, you know, it's this phrase I've, I use is zooming in and out, you know, so you, you mm-hmm. zoom in, you, you know, you, so people see, see you, know that you value them, you, you're listening, you hear them, but you also need to get out of the room sometimes so they can get on with their stuff. Uh, I love to go to uh, our chaplain in service days when I can, and that's uh, a practical thing. You know, they're coming together and it's an easy way to see a lot of people at once. And very often I don't have anything to say. I'm just there and, and, you know, joining in for for a couple of hours. Um, But typically I'll go for the first part of the, the session and then I'll leave because they can relax and be themselves and not feel like the boss is looking over their shoulder. Um, and I, and, and to, to be honest, I get so much from that. You know, I get to hear, hear the conversations, hear what's concerning them. Um, I get to affirm and, and express my appreciation for them in an informal way. And then I'm out of their hair and they can enjoy the day without me, but, uh, uh, you know, zoom in and out. I like that zooming in and out and being strategic, something that I've done with a number of leaders who are very task driven is I've. I've worked with them around how to how to realize that that's that they're often very down on themselves because they're so task driven and they feel like uh, right. you know they're not great with people and and they they can be really and 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 I love to say you know what you got to leverage your your task <laughs> your ability with a to do list and and realize that connecting with people is in and of itself it is actually a task. It's something you can do. It's actually something you can get better at. Right. It's something you can plan strategically. Yeah. And one of the one of the most helpful things that I've seen, which which sounds so ridiculously simple, but is actually to help leaders who might be really task driven to actually add into their to do list, add into their routine, strategic places they're going to be visible, and strategic connection routine to actually, if someone's really really task driven and for them, you know, we're really working on how can we just, uh, how can we make ourselves more accessible and really build our connection with our people? It might be to, to actually have a list of the key people that you want to build connection with and to, and to log and actually make an effort to go and spend a few minutes checking in that's not project related and not task related. And, um, yeah. And I, I like that idea of zooming in because it's like, for them, that was an it was an epiphany to go because there's different types of zooming in and, and and zooming out. But you're, I love how strategic you are with that chaplain uh, day with with attending because, like you said, it all comes back to the wisdom of sometimes you're zooming out and you need to be zooming in, and sometimes um, sometimes you're zooming in and you actually need to get, get out of there. It's it's uh, and some of that I guess just yeah. comes from experience. Yeah, and look, I I'm, I get far more from it from going along and filling up, you know, from me being there than I'm sure they get from me being there. But uh, <laughs> but it's a great opportunity. It often it's 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 a really small thing. Um, I think the other thing too, I, I was reflecting the other day when you read the Gospels, how many of the really great stories um, came from an an unintended interruption in Jesus' schedule. So it's great to have the schedule. But, you know, when you think about, you know, the blind man yelling out, you know, Jesus, you know, have mercy, that was an interruption to the day. Jesus was going somewhere, um, you know, or the or, or Zacchaeus up the tree, you know, like that was an interruption and yet it became an incredible moment. And I I, I think as a leader, 
being aware that sometimes the most powerful moment might be the interruption and yes. being attuned to that. You won't always get that right, but sometimes the interruption is the best thing in your day, not for you, but but for somebody else. The fact that they interrupted or you got interrupted um, leads to the greatest change. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful, Peter. Jesus was very interruptible, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. And on the yeah, most he put, important... He, he held his schedule lightly. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, um, yeah, I'm just laughing because I think of how often as leaders you go, oh, but I really have important, I've got really important things I need to do, which, which is, which is valid and true. But you think about, about Jesus and how interruptible he was and the, um, and the mission he was on and it's, um, and yet he was so interruptible. I, I think it's a, it's a wonderful challenge to like, like, like everything when you look at his life is to go. Oh, <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't hurried. He was so interruptible. He um, he was so gentle. He was strategic though, as well. Yes. Yeah, you're you right. Know, yeah. Interruptions often came as part of a plan. You know, he was going on a journey from X to Y, and or, you know, he had his disciples with him, and the interruption became a teaching moment for them. So yes. the schedule might have been interrupted, but actually, his purpose wasn't. His in his overall big picture intention wasn't he he the interruption became part of the overall narrative and that's because he's Jesus and we're not but I guess as leaders we have the same opportunity that um, you know if if all you're doing is responding to interruptions you'll only ever be reactive yes um, but just to have that mindset that uh, sometimes that interruption is the God moment in your day yeah that's that's wonderful. Uh, and I, I really like that actually, the idea that uh, being interruptible that's on purpose, that's actually still on mission and that's that's the reflection is strategic. And uh, another another podcast episode I did, I can't remember who it was actually, um, but they talked about open door policy and I loved um, what they said. They said, you know, the open door policy, there are, there are some leaders who say, uh, oh, yeah, I have an open door policy. And, uh, and, and you say, what do you mean? Well, I, I physically have my door open. They say, well, that's not really the idea. The idea is how comfortable and how often do your people feel like when they need to, they can walk through that door and actually say, I've got something that I really need your help with. And, and I thought that's, that's yeah. the difference, isn't it? It's like it's turning. And I think that's such a big challenge of leadership is turning the ideas that are true. Like open door policy is a wonderful idea, but what does it look like to live that out? Um, being interruptible is a wonderful idea. Yeah. But like you said, if you're just interruptible all the time, then you, then you stop being on mission because you're not achieving anything. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, I'll sort of Jack Welsh again, uh, one of the other things he talks about a leader is that they're the chief clutter clearer. And I, I really love that phrase. The You know, there are some things where um, people get stuck um, and they're perfectly capable leaders. Um, they, you know, may have even constructed some solutions, but they just need someone to to help get some impediment out of the way. And as the leader, you're yes. the one that can do that. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you're the, the CEO or in another leadership role, I think that clutter clearing is part of the role. How do you make this easier for people? You know, what's the what's the thing that everyone barks their shin on 
uh, in the organisation or yeah. everyone, everyone avoids that pothole. Well, why don't you as leader take the thing away that's barking the shin or fill in the pothole for them? That's great. Um, and then get out of their way again and let them, let them do their thing. <laughs> yeah, I love that so much because I think it's actually a really good filter for how effectively you're leading uh, is to, if I could go and sit down with the people uh, who are being led by the listeners out there and say to them, is, uh, you know, for, so if I'm leading a team, is Jono, does Jono make your life easier or harder by <laughs> as your leader? And I think it's a yeah. great filter because great leadership is exactly that. It's, it's, it's getting things out of the way for people, making their life easier. And the thing I love about that as well, and to be honest, this is probably the biggest learning I've had from this podcast. And I feel like I'm probably getting the most out of this podcast than, than anyone because it's just uh, so much fun getting to hear leaders tell their stories. And, and the biggest thing that comes up again and again and again, and I hear it with what you've just unpacked there, is this, I've always heard of the upside down leadership you know, rather than the the leader being on top, the right. leader being on the bottom and the upside down triangle where you're, and I, I love that, but it's always never been quite real to me. I've, I've always thought it's a good idea, but how do you not just have that on the wall? What And this this yeah. podcast so far, the, the thing that stood out most to me is this idea of lead, great leaders don't look for support and to be served by their people they actually think upside down and, and they view their role as how can I support and serve this team? And that word support as well, I, I know right. serve, servant leadership, I, I love servant leadership, but actually saying to yourself as a leader, what, what can I do to support my people today? And even saying to them, how can I support you is such a powerful shift. And it's, it's really been a bit of an aha moment for me actually from doing this podcast. Yeah. It's a great question, how can I support you? I, I think sometimes that's too big a question um, because people don't have a sense of what their leader can do to support them. Um, yes. Uh, you know, other questions that I found quite useful is, look, what's not working for you at the moment? Yeah, that's Because great. everyone will have a list of those things. And sometimes it's stuff that they feel is insoluble. It just is, you know, but the real thing that really annoys me or the thing that's slowing me down is or the thing that I, I just can't ever seem to overcome or a recurrent problem we have is everyone will have something like that. And as a leader, that's something you can fix. It's often, if it's often something that has multi-factors and the person you're talking to doesn't control any of them or only controls some of them. But as a leader, you, you've got all of those tools in your hands. Yes. Um, if there's something not working between teams, if there's a system or a tool or a process or a procedure or a policy, you know, something, you know, maybe boring and mundane like that that does, isn't working, um, that's something you can, you can work on. Um, so um, how can I make your... How can I make it easier for you to fulfill your purpose in this organization? Uh, that's a very big question, but it will mm. probably chunk down to what's annoying you at the moment. How can I <laughs> how can I fix what can I fix for you? Yes, that's that's great. And that's um that's uh that's a great question. What's not working for you at the moment? What's what's the biggest roadblock for you right now? What's the thing annoying you most right now? And uh, another one I heard uh, which I think comes from a book around uh, that's that's called rounding or round, which is this idea of going to your team and actually um, 
going and, and doing the rounds. I think it's called rounding. It's it's something like that. But I've I've uh, worked with a leader who used this, and so I just remember them saying one of the questions uh, that you would do in your rounds every day, checking in with your people, and really just encouraging that that consistent communication and, and asking people questions is what's what's one thing I could do to make your work easier today. So so focusing it in on something small as well. Like what's what's one thing yeah. and, and like you said, the only issue with that is that they may not know what, what you could do. Um so it might be instead of what's one thing I could do, what's what's one thing that might be small, but if we could change that would make a big difference in your world today. And yeah. realizing that and a sometimes lot of days, that small question yeah, Sorry? sometimes that small question turns into a very big question. So, yes. um, you know, I remember years ago asking, you know, what what's something we could fix, um, and <laughs> and the the answer was, well, our finance system. <laughs> so, um, that's a very big project, and uh, and you know, I, I I know there are things that. Uh, people have said to me in the past and six years later I get back to them and say, hey, I think we finally got there. Do you remember that time you said X? And, uh, and you know, so, so I think also reflecting back with people to say, look, where, where have we come from? You know, at the moment, we're, you know, merging nine organisations together and we're only six months in. So, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of messy stuff still. You know, we're still trying to integrate and, and combine so many things. And, yeah. um, I've, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, to, I'll give you two analogies. One is that, you know, we're kind of living in the house while we renovate it. And um, I've said to the team, you know, that, that, you know, living in the house when you renovate it, we, we pulled the kitchen out and we're cooking on a camp stove. Um, and, and that yeah. is a, an annoying thing, except we know we're getting a new kitchen soon. And so you live with a certain level of um, reduced capacity during the process of change if there's a shared vision for what the end point of that change is and why it's better. And, and so that sort of renovation analogy is helpful for us at the moment. Um, but the, the other for a personal, a, a person leading a team who is, you know, the phrase that we use is, look, you're feeling the leg burn. We're climbing steeply on, on sometimes a slope where the sand moves under your feet and you don't feel like you're, you're achieving quite the rate that you want to. Um, and I've said to some, some of our leaders, look, turn around and look at the view. Look how far we've climbed already. And mm-hmm. so having those points in time where as leader you help people to reflect and contextualise and, and understand, you know, in the, in the business of where they are, understand where we've come from and actually remind them where we're going and encourage them to pause and rest and do the same for their team and celebrate what we've achieved even though we're not finished yet. That's an important thing. You know, again, being sort of chief cheer squad and, and, uh, and, uh, and meaning uh, officer is an important thing. Yeah, I like that. Chief cheerleader, chief, uh, chief meaning officer. Uh, they're, they're wonderful reminders for leaders. I have to say one of the simplest stories I've ever heard about, and I can't remember where I heard it, because uh, I'd love to be able to, to honour where it came from, but is around vision. It actually might have been in an Andy Stanley book, uh, Visioneering could have been in there. And uh, there's a, just this little, little parable around, um, you know, there were there were two people, uh, 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 a man came across two people moving, uh, moving rocks from one place to another. And he said to one of them, uh, what are you doing? And they said, oh, you know, they said sort of, 
frustrated and tired I'm moving rocks from here to there and then uh, then coming back here and getting more and moving them over there and he said okay and then he turned to the other person and said because um, still confused about what they're doing he said what are you doing and the person said I'm building a castle and yeah right yeah. just that or you know we're building a castle just that picture of realizing that they're both doing the same thing but casting vision is that ability to to help people realize that because if you're going to be moving blocks from here to there, that's, that's, you know, that's hard work. And if you don't see the castle and you just feel like you're moving blocks from here to there, then who wants to do that? But if you can help people realize this is what we're yeah. building, this is what it's going to look like. And like you said, the missing piece from yeah. the parable is where we've been and where we come from. Then it's easy to see why someone would get excited about being part of that, you know, or we're building a castle. That's something amazing. Yeah, and the, the leader's role in helping, the, the, even people who should and do understand that, but at points of time just need to be given the space, permissioned or even sort of, in, you know, muscled into a place where they can reflect backwards, look forwards, yes. pause, yes. Um, take a breath. I remember hearing um, the story of JFK visiting um uh, Cape Canaveral, I think it was, or in the early days, you know, he never got to see the end point of the moon landings, of course, but in the early days of that process of building and he, he you know, as the story ran, he, he saw a guy in overalls um, and said, what's your job here? And he said to the president, my job is to put a man on the moon. Now, in fact, the guy was a janitor and his day-to-day <laughs> task was to empty bins and sweep floors but yeah. he saw his job, like your castle analogy, he saw his job as putting a man on the moon. Now, if every person in an organisation understands we're putting a man on the moon in a not-for-profit, uh, particularly a Christian not-for-profit, if everyone yeah. understands the purpose of the of the mission and and feels a sense of connection and pride about their contribution to that, uh, you know, I'd love everyone in, in my organisation to feel like they're putting a man on the moon. Yeah. Yeah. Anything practical that you found helps people to remember they're putting a man on the moon and, and not focus on um, the floor they're mopping, you know, obviously different different tasks yeah. and different outcomes, but anything you found helpful for for helping people turn their eyes and, and keep in mind the, the deeper purpose of what they're doing and what they're part of? Well, I think the compelling vision in a form that's easily articulated by everyone is an important part of that. And, and, you know, so there's that sort of straight line you need to draw between the p- missional purpose of the organisation, the vision about where we're going. And I, I love that that is a ridiculously impossible vision. Mm. You know, um, it, it has to be an inspiring and possibly unachievable vision, but, but we're all excited about taking the first few steps towards that and creating the start of a momentum um, so, you know, having a sense of that mission, mission, having a compelling vision that everyone in the organisation can name uh, and then working that through into what your strategy looks like. And each person will have a sense of their piece of that. Some of it might be quite granular tasks, um, but the sense of the reason I'm moving this rock or the reason I'm um, creating this spreadsheet uh, yeah. is because... We want to we want to all go there together, and so a lot of that is uh, working with people and teams and making sure every leader in the organisation has that same sense of buy-in, but, yes. but better than buy-in, excitement, 
um, and are, are helping their people to constantly connect what might be uh, an unexciting part of their day into that ultimate purpose and give it meaning. Yeah, that's well said. Um, and as we sort of start wrapping up, I'm always interested in in books or uh, podcasts that people are loving. Are there any, I guess, starting with books, are there any books that if you look back, you tend to gift to people more often than others? You know, that it's your go-to or a few go-to books that you would give someone around business leadership or really any topic? I, I um, It's a bit of an odd one, but there's a, a book called Leading with a Limp. Um, oh, I, can't, I can't remember this guy's surname. Um, James, James Allen. Anyway, Leading with a Limp. I should look that up um, for you. But it's a really interesting book about leading through vulnerability. And I think as a Ian leader, Allender? the Is thing I Ian like Allender? about... Yes. Yes. yes, thank you. Um, the thing I like about that is the uh, the sense of being honest with yourself about your vulnerabilities and with others. Yes. And th- this is what I like about Christian servant leadership is that yes. you don't have to be the hero. You're mm-hmm. the leader, but you're led, you're led by someone else um, as the leader. You're all following the Lord Jesus himself in his mission. Um, and so... That gives a sense of, should give a sense of humility that, you know, no matter who in the organisation you're talking to, they're just as called as I am yes. uh, and and their role is just as important as mine and and I know my frailties. I think the thing that Leading with a Limp taught me was the ability to 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 be really honest and about your vulnerabilities mm-hmm. and your failures. not always go there. There are times people need to know their leader is knows what we're doing, for example. <laughs> but if you don't know what you're doing, you know, we'll hopefully work it out. Um, but be honest, look, we're trying this. We have not been this way before. We're trying it. You know, so in our merger, you know, we, we've never merged this SU organisation into a national set of organisations. We've never done that before. And so we, we were looking at together as a group with, the, you know, when the Israelites passed over the Jordan to enter the Promised Land, there's this beautiful passage, part of that passage in Joshua, where um, the, uh, Joshua says, you know, follow the priests and the ark because we've never been this way. You know, they're following God. We don't know which way we're going. Let's follow him. Uh, there's a vulnerability to that. And I think that's one thing I really love about that book. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. Um, any any other uh, shows, podcasts, any, anything else that uh, that you're really loving at the moment as a, as a source and a, and a resource around leadership or, or just uh, for life in general? I, I love sort of scrounging things. Um, uh, Breno Brown's got some really good stuff about, you know, um, daring to lead and, and um, there's a lot of issues, very Texan in that, and, uh, but, but she's got a really good program, really good um, sort of ideas around leading. I've really enjoyed reading that. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then, you know, I'll scrounge anything. I, I voraciously <laughs> scrounge things. I've, I've referenced Jack Welsh a few times. Yes. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of wisdom in a lot of places. Um, you know, uh, read widely, uh, listen widely. I agree. Um, Brene Brown has a, I don't know how new it is, it, it might still be classified as new podcast, which is fantastic, where she interviews leaders. Um, and so that's something that I've discovered recently for any Brene Brown fans out there. And that might be something you're interested in too, Peter, because it's sort of you're getting to hear Brene's thoughts, but also 
overlaid with the stories of, of other leaders, a bit like what we what we do here on this podcast. So that's a, that's another yeah. Um, yeah. That's another good resource. Uh, did you have any final thoughts for listeners? Um, just if you've if you've got an idea, begin it. You know, I I I, I, I had this quote on my wall for a long time, which had um, Goethe's name underneath it. And before this podcast, I was just reminded of it, and uh, and I thought I'd research it. Turns out it wasn't wasn't Goethe at all. But everyone, there's a lot of quite references to it. It's by a guy called William Hutchison Murray, and uh, he starts off by going. And until you're committed, there's hesitancy. And then the passage continues on. Whatever you can do or dream you can do, begin it. Boldness has genius power and magic in it. Begin mm. it now. And I think, you know, that's not a, 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 a an encouragement not to plan, but getting started, you know, even on that small thing, if you see it, start it, and it'll create a ment- momentum that leads to other things. So... That's my encouragement. Start, start something, begin something, the thing that's on your heart, start it. Yeah, that's a great encouragement. And I, I can't remember where I saw it or, or heard it recently, but there was something about starting and realizing from day one that even, uh, even actually looking at failure and, and, and viewing failure as a learning and saying, I need to start. And even if it fails, that's actually that's actually an important part of the journey because I will learn from that. And so there's there's sort of no there's often very little downside in starting and starting somewhere and starting something because no matter what happens, you learn from it. Um, and and I, I think it's a particular book actually, I, and I can't remember it was off the top of my head, but it's it's about this idea. And the thing I loved about it is they're saying, you know what, when you do your first. You know, if you, if you, I can't remember if they talked about this, but if you do cooking and you try the first time, it might be disgusting. It might, it might yeah. taste terrible. It, it might be it. an authentic failure. <laughs> <laughs> this is speaking yeah. from, from experience. I'm trying to get into it a bit more. And, um, you know, that's part of the process. And that is if you want to, if you want to be able to cook something really delicious at some point, then cooking terribly now and and failing at that particular dish is actually a necessary part of the process and so why do we get so caught up in 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 starting something with an idea that then doesn't go anywhere it doesn't take off or we close it down or and we go oh that was a failure it's like well actually that was a learning that i wouldn't be able to take the next step if i hadn't done that so that's that's wonderful advice and anyone listening uh maybe there's something you need to start. So that's uh, that's great. And I just want to thank our listeners. Thank you so much for, for tuning in. And I have just loved today's episode. I think you would have gotten a lot out of it. And don't forget, we have two other podcasts. We have the John O'White Leadership Podcast, where I just give you content around leadership. The one that I did most recently is answering the question or, or my opinion on the question, to be honest, are leaders born or can they be made? And so I've done a, uh, a an episode on that. And then leadership question of the day, where I put a stone in your shoe and give you a different uncomfortable question to wrestle with every day to grow as a leader. Um, and last of all today, I just want to say a massive thank you, uh, Peter. It's been just such a joy. Appreciate, as you've just talked about towards the end there, but really have appreciated your vulnerability as a leader and it's uh, it's just been so much fun to talk about leadership and to uh, i guess also wrestle together with some of these things around vision and around zooming in and out it's been a very rich conversation uh, so thank you so much for coming on it's been a real pleasure thanks for having me
Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57 page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O. White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process 
that I unpack in Step Up or Step Out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself, and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it, and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.